All right. So, tonight I want to kind of go through, well, just hit a couple points through Second Chronicles. My original plan was just to go through Second Chronicles and kind of go through each king that was there and I guess go through whether he needed or a prophet came to him to guide him or not. And then after I went through all that, I didn't know how it was all going to come together and it would have been like four hours of reading scripture and that wasn't going to happen. So the Lord gave me three, I guess, kind of points that I want to go through. But before that, I want to satisfy Lee's Emerald and just give a quick gist of Second Chronicles. Just some some facts. All right, well, it's about to go up. So in Second Chronicles, it covers approximately 433 and a half years under 21 different kings, which is roughly, which is about 20 and a half years per king average. All right, there is at least 12 prophets that are named individually in the book of Second Chronicles, which I'm sure there is, it speaks of like 400 at one time. So there's a bunch in there, but at least 12 of them are named. So I went through and looked at all the different kings and kind of got the gist of whether it was a good king or a bad king. And we've heard Lee talk about this is a good king, this is a bad king. So um, there was 21 kings, nine of which were mostly good most of their reign some of them went back and forth but the majority of their time they were good 12 of them were bad the good ones reigned for 278 years which is an average of 30.8 years per king for the good guys the bad guys there was 12 of them they reigned for 155 and a half years which is an average of 13 years so that just gives you a quick and the good ones had seven prophets named that helped guide them. So I'm thinking they heeded the word of the prophet and that helped them to remain, keep their rule. The bad ones only had five. So that's uh, your facts and figures. All right. So, <laughs> accounting season. Um, book of Second Chronicles starts with Solomon, King Solomon's reign, and it uh, he got the temple established in Jerusalem. And if you go to chapter six, nineteen through thirty-one, which we're we're not going to read, it uh. Is Solomon's prayer to the Lord that if his people stray away or go down the other path, but turn their hearts back to the Lord, humble themselves and pray to him, then that the Lord would have mercy on them and bring them back to where they were. And then verse 7, 12 through 15, the Lord answers him back and says, I will do that if they humble themselves and turn back to me wholeheartedly and seek me 
with all their heart, I will bring everything back to them. So, point number one, or the first thing I want to talk about is praise and worship and prophets. If we look at verse 2 Chronicles 29, verse 30, it says, Also King Hezekiah and the princes ordered the Levites to sing praises to the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness and bowed themselves and worship. So in this verse, King David and Asaph, who was a prophet, they were the ones that led led uh, the worship. They, well, I mean, David wasn't there, but they used words from his psalms and thing, praises that he had written. And then also of Asaph, the prophet. And... It just so that's one one instance where it's uh as you call it prophetic worship. I mean they he's leading the the words of what the Lord tells him to say. And we go to verse thirty five fifteen. So the singers, the sons of Asaph, the guy mentioned in the other verse, were in their places according to the command of David, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun. I love the names in this book. The king's seer. And the gatekeepers were at every gate. They did not need to leave their service for their brethren the Levites prepared for them. So in this verse, there's four people that gave instruction on how the worship should go. One of them was David, who was basically best friends with God, and so you know he was hearing from God. Two of them were prophets, and one was a Levite who was basically born to worship and they uh they gives good instruction i imagine they had pretty awesome worship back then they had all kind of different instruments all kind of just things i don't even know what they were that make noise and but it probably sounded awesome if you look at verse 29 25 so Hezekiah stationed the Levites in the Lord's house with cymbals, harps, and lyres, or lyres. Which one is it? Lyres. As David, his forefather, and Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan, the prophet, had commanded. For the commandment was from the Lord through his prophets. So there it says it plainly that the Lord commanded through the prophets on how they should set up the for worship. So the Lord has anointed some people with a gift just to know how worship should go. And I mean, some of them are prophets and some are not. Um, this doesn't mean that these people have to be the ones leading the choir or leading worship or writing music or whatever. They, but they should know, they'll know who the people are that can do these things. And I mean, Gene... I think was given this gift. I mean, he leads us in worship. He puts together the music orders that are the anointed music, and it guides us, and it works. I mean, he's he's gifted with that, but that doesn't be, mean by any means that he's supposed to get up there with the microphone and lead us in worship. Amen. <laughs> we, we, like we've heard before, we won't get through, our praises might not get through the ceiling, if that's the case, but uh, 
No, Gene has a beautiful voice in the ears of the Lord. It's a sound. <laughs> sound, that's right. So has anybody ever thought that we play music too loud in here? All right, so we got about half and half. Now, there has been a few times that I've been in here and it's been loud and like almost to the point of pain, but I believe that as long as we're as long as we're in this house praising God that he's going to protect our ears and there will be no damage done from the music. As loud as it is. But, uh, so I read a verse a couple days ago, and then Lee gave Chris and I a CD to listen to with Dean Sykes. And Dean was talking to somebody on the disc and made a comment. He was talking to the person about them going to another level in praise and worship. And uh, he told them, just let it out sing loud he was like the lord likes it loud and when i heard that i was i told chris i paused the cd i was like i just read a verse about this and so i think that's really cool that he mentioned it and it's verse 30 chapter 30 verse 21 it says that's you call 30 21 It says, it says, And the Israelites who were in Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread for seven days with great joy. The Levites and priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with instruments of much volume to the Lord. So right there it says, you're supposed to be loud, make a lot of noise. And it, uh, so the Lord likes loud praise and worship. And... Another thing that from, I guess, this week that we were talking about, Chris said Gene told him one time that you need to use headphones when you're worshiping at home. And I never thought about why, but I was thinking about it. And the thing headphones do for you, they, they can block out, they consume all your hearing with what is coming out of them. And the reason we don't need headphones in here. It's because the music can get loud enough that there's nothing else. You It consumes you. So there's no other thoughts or room for anything else to go in when the when it's like that. And uh, so it's good to have, if you don't have somewhere that is can get loud enough to consume you, and put headphones in. And it'll help you just focus on the words that are coming out and on the Lord. So I have a couple other verses uh, that relate to this. Psalm 33.3 says, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with a loud and joyful sound. Mm-hmm. Psalm 150, the whole chapter, but verse 5. says, Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. And those are normally the ones that are the loudest and her ears. Back to Second Chronicles 20, verse 19. 
It says, And some Levites of the Kohathites and Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Very. very. So that's not just the instruments. That's their voice. So, Charlena, keep on. You're doing, you're doing, doing good. All right. So, and Chris, too, he... He's got a set of lungs on him. Um, God, I've kicked him out of the sound booth a couple of times because I can't hear the music to know whether to go up or down. <laughs> so, <laughs> loud praise and worship, and um, prophetic worship. I believe kingdom life one day i mean we're going to have a a praise team a worship team and i mean we're going to experience prophetic worship coming out of this place or the life center and uh it's going to be taking us to another level so story number two is uh I tried to order these where they build up. Story number two, I just called it Stay Faithful Through the Trials. Second Chronicles twenty nine thirty six says, Thus Hezekiah rejoiced and all the people because of what God had prepared for the people, for it was done suddenly. Don't ever get weary when you don't see something happening. You don't see something moving when you don't feel like God's with you or God's guiding you. We just need to trust in Him and uh, just know that He's there even when you don't know that He's there. He is. Um, so He can come through instantly and change all your circumstances, everything around you, as He did here. And his word says, for it was done suddenly by the Lord. Because um, in Second Peter 3, 8, it says, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He can do what man can't even do in a thousand years. He can do it in one day and just turn everything around. And I'm... Looking forward to him doing that for me and a few things. I mean, but you just got to stay faithful and rely on him. Don't give up on him and he won't give up on you. Because the last thing you want him to do is give up on you. Because you're never going to get anything done then. Um, so Hezekiah was the king of Israel. And he... The Lord gave him great riches, great power, great respect from many different nations. There was peace all around because nobody messed with him because they knew that the hand of the Lord was over him and his country. And uh, he kept close counsel with the prophet Isaiah. And I think he heeded the counsel of that prophet which helped him to gain everything he had. And as he trusted on what the Lord had to say through Isaiah, he he was able to, to 
be provided for and just provide for others and just prosper in everything he did. And But he never failed to listen to the Lord's instruction from Isaiah. People saw how he had prospered and become so great. So they came to inquire about how it happened. And we'll read a quick story in a few minutes about that. But it was the king of Babylon. And Babylon was known as the richest city in the world at the time. And uh, monetarily at least. And they came to King Hezekiah to see how he got all his riches and everything for his wisdom. But if we look at Second Chronicles 32, 31 says, And so in the matter of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, who were sent to him, Hezekiah, to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to himself to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. So how many times have we felt like, where are you, God? I need some guidance here. But he's nowhere to be heard or found. And But in those times... That's when God may be testing our hearts to see what's already in us, see what word we have in us already, what revelation that we can trust in and rely on and not give up on Him in those times to get through that trial. I mean, if it's a test of love for somebody and you're not sure how to handle a situation that somebody comes to you, and you pray to God and ask Him, what do I need to do with this person? But you don't hear anything back. Are you going to be mean to Him? Or are you going to get through it with love and and do it that way? But uh, So I had written down everything I just said. And, <laughs> and so what... <laughs> um, I said... What if in these times when we're not hearing God, He is testing our hearts, waiting to see if we will use the resources, the word, the love already in us to solve the problem or answer the question. To see if we will still give God all the credit or do we forsake Him when He is nowhere to be found. We don't want to be found like Hezekiah in these times and boast in our own strength and riches rather than in God. And if we go to Isaiah 39, this quick chapter and uh, we'll read about what happened with him. It says, At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent messengers with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and had recovered. That was another thing. The Lord healed him from his sickness. And Hezekiah was glad and welcomed them and showed them the house of his spices and precious things, the silver, gold, spices, precious ointment, all the house of his armor and his jewels, and all that was found in his treasuries, there was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then came Isaiah the prophet to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? From where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They came to me from a far country, even from Babylon. Then Isaiah said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown him. You think Hezekiah was going off of pride when he was showing off all his stuff? I mean, pride rose up in him, and he said, look what I got, look what 
I'm so powerful. Everybody's giving me these things. Then, I, then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your predecessors have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and some of your own sons who are born to you shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. And he added, For there will be peace and faithfulness to his promises and us to us and in my days. So he just went completely selfish there at the end and said, the word of the Lord is good because it's not going to come to pass in my time. So he was just worrying about himself, like I'm going to be able to ride this out, but then his descendants are going to have to suffer and take on his burden that he brought upon them. So very selfish. I mean, he just completely turned away from the Lord and didn't recognize and and give glory to God for all the things that God gave him. So we just got to keep God up front, even when you can't see him anywhere, to the front, back, left, or right. I mean, he's the forefront of everything we do. So then the Lord took me over to Job, and I've never really, I don't think, read the whole book or like really focused on it. But I went into that, and Job is a good example of the other end of the spectrum from Hezekiah. Job was a very wealthy man, had all kind of stuff, had sons and daughters, and the Lord prospered him in everything he did, and he never forsook the Lord in anything he did. He was always faithful to the Lord, always glorified God for everything that he, Job, had. And uh, he, he just... He was so faithful to God, it says that when angels came to report to God, Satan came with them, and the Lord asked Satan, what what do you want? And Satan said to God, uh, or no, God just started bragging to Satan about Job because of his faithfulness, and said, "Take look at my son Job, who will not forsake me or leave me in anything. And Satan said, well, what if that's because you put a hedge around him and blessed him with all this stuff. What if you take that stuff away from him? And the Lord gave Satan authority to do anything with Job, just don't affect his life. So Satan, it is a terrible story. Like, I... Four servants come into Job's house. One comes in, says, uh, all your possessions have been destroyed. Before that one stops speaking, the second one comes in, says, all your sons and daughters are dead. Before that one stops coming in, stops speaking, another one comes in, and I forget what the... Was it livestock in the fields? All right, anyway... Everything he had, except for his wife, was gone. And his wife, he probably at some point wished she was gone the way she was talking to him. Because she, she at one point said, curse God and die. And so he said, woman, you are stupid. And didn't listen to her. But uh, 
If we look at Job 8.20. Yeah, he called her foolish. Job 8.20. It says, Behold, as surely as God will never uphold wrongdoers, he will never cast away a blameless man. And this is after Satan went back to God and said, um, if you basically take away everything, his health, then he'll forsake you. And God said, all right, you can touch him, do anything you want to him, just spare his life. And so Satan put every kind of sickness. He had, his skin was falling off. He had just miserable. And when you're reading the book, he is absolutely miserable. And uh, so it says, God will never cast away a blameless man. So Job was blameless in everything he did. He never forsook the Lord. He never uh, cursed God. He never took pride in his possessions, saying that he got them himself without the power of God because he, he truly had a heart for God and loved the Lord and wanted him to get all the glory and knew where everything came from. So... So we have to strive to be the blameless man. And keeping God first in everything will is the fastest way to get there. I mean, if we put God first in everything we do, then how can we go wrong? I mean, how can we how can anybody blame anything on us truthfully and and be right? They can't. I say the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. So don't worry, when you don't see him, that's when he's sitting up in the bleachers cheering you on and bragging to everyone about how awesome you are, like he did with Job to Satan. He was sitting there watching Job, but Job couldn't see him, and he was bragging to the devil about how awesome Job was. I mean, how how awesome is that, that God, I mean, he's up there bragging about us when we're honoring him just putting Satan down in the dirt. Um, so we have a quick testimony. I don't know how it got right here in the order, but I think it's... No, I do know, because it fits in. All right, when I get to the end of it, it'll tie in. Um, so Mamie... Tori and Chris and I went to lunch the other day, and while we, sorry, Carl, um, <laughs> while we, <laughs> Carl was working, real men work, real real men talk about God too. We were, so Mamie asked me a question just because I'd been here longer than any of them had. She asked me a question about what is the what do you say? What is the wildest thing that you've experienced? And then you said, what quality and what are you most fond of that you know the Lord is in this place? And I thought about it for a second, and what came to mind was just that the leaders here have not given up and never give up on any of us. And, I mean, it. no matter how far out we go they don't give up on us and it I mean it means so much 
to see this and it's just like we need to be that way for God don't give up on him and uh, I said if a man has the power and patience to stick with us through our rough times how much more will God be there for us so when you don't feel him there he's still there he hadn't given up on us. Don't give up on him. And that's the end of point two. Stay faithful through the trials. All right. Last point. I love Gene while, while you're up here teaching. Chris, you, you said it when I'm straight faced. <laughs> No emotion whatsoever from me. I'm like, am I doing good? <laughs> He's <I know>. nothing. <laughs> I look at him, and every time I've looked at him, he just. <laughs> so I quickly pass by. I'm like, all right, look at somebody that's smiling. <laughs> it's a test, right? Yeah, it's a test. I <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, so when the whole time he. <laughs> All right. So that story didn't have anything to do with prophets, I don't think. But it was, uh, <laughs> but it was that verse in the story of Job. It uh, it just really jumped out at me, and I felt like I needed to talk about it. So this last one is on target with uh what I'm supposed to be doing about prophets. So <laughs> we're we're back in Second Chronicles and we're basically gonna rip apart chapter eighteen or look at chapter eighteen, the story that it tells about King Jehoshaphat and Ahab. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, Ahab was king of Israel. They uh Jehoshaphat was married to one of Ahab's daughters, I believe, and so they had a little treaty or whatever going on, and here's the story. Um, so Ahab asked Jehoshaphat to go to war with him against somebody, and Jehoshaphat said, yeah, I will. Can we seek the Lord before we do this, though? So in verse 4 through 7, we look how Jehoshaphat was seeking the Lord. It says, And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Inquire first, I pray you, for the word of the Lord today. So King Ahab of Israel gathered together the prophets, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not another prophet of the Lord here by whom we may inquire? So for some reason, he wasn't taking the word of 400 prophets who were all in agreement about what they were saying. He said, is there one more that we can ask? So King Ahab of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is another man, Micaiah, Micaiah, son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. 
but I hate him, for he never has prophesied good for me, but always evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. So, uh, how many times have we gone to hear, get a word from a prophet or hear a prophet speak, and we have something in mind that we want them to say, that we want them to give us a witness on? But is that thing our will or God's will that we want them to say? And this is exactly what Ahab did. He already had his mind made up and wanted the prophets to confirm his will, not God's will, for what he wanted to do. And God allowed ex that exact thing to happen. In 18, 9 through 14, verse 9 through 14, Said so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat each on his throne arrayed in their robes. They were sitting in an open place at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. All the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, son of Chenana, had made himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. All the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper. The Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. So, I mean, those 400 prophets still in agreement, still giving him words, saying, you're going to win this war, go for it. Then the messenger who went to call Micaiah said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets foretell good to the king with one accord. So let your word be like one of them and speak favorably. So like I said, God allowed that exact thing to happen. He knew what he wanted to hear. So God, it says, but Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what my God says, that will I speak. So he just said, he's not going to speak anything unless the Lord tells him. <laughs> and uh, so the Lord must have put it in his mouth to speak favorably. It said, and when he had come to the king, King Ahab said, to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. So the Lord spoke through Micaiah and said, Go for it, you'll prosper. That is because Ahab's mind was already made up, and he, but his spirit, somewhere deep inside of him, knew that that wasn't true, that that wasn't really what Micaiah was supposed to be saying. So in verse 15 through 17, it says, And the king said to him, How many times shall I warn you to tell nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And King Ahab of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good to me, but evil? So there you go. So the Lord released the truth to come out when Ahab's flesh or mind requested it. When he said, Speak the truth, then the Lord let it come out. So when our soul and spirit are not in alignment, we want to hear the truth but we don't want to hear the truth at the same time. So your spirit's over here, and 
Your spirit is what wants to hear the truth. And the spirit is what caused him to say, how many times do I have to tell you only speak what is the truth? But then his soul is a thing that didn't want to hear the truth. He commanded it out of his spirit, but then he rejected it out of his soul. So then I have, or we want to hear the truth, but we don't want to listen to it, obey it. We'll get the truth, but it goes right out in one ear, out the other, and we don't listen to it. Or we just want to hear our truth so we can go along with what is comfortable for our flesh. And in Gene's teaching about how the fivefold works, he, the example that we did up here, the prophet says, the first thing the prophet says to the person is, the baby, I'm sorry, says, it is good that you are comfortable and having fun, but the Lord has a call on your life, so it's time to meet that call. So, I mean, the person doesn't always want to hear the truth. They want to keep having fun and be comfortable. So then, after this happens, the prophet blurts out the whole truth in verse 18 through 22. It says, Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing at his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said this thing and another that. Then there came a spirit who stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. The Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouths of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall entice him and also succeed. Go forth and do so. Now you see the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouths of your prophets, and the Lord has spoken evil concerning you. So the king Ahab didn't like the prophecy or didn't get what he wanted to hear. So in his worldly power, he threw... Micaiah in jail and punish him and carried on with his will that he wanted to do that all the lying prophets were telling him to do go to war and prosper so in verse 23 through 27 says then Zedekiah the son of Chinana came (laughs) came that's one of Chinita's ancestors came came near and smote Micaiah upon the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you shall go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. Then King Ahab of Israel said, Take Micaiah back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread and water of affliction until I return in peace. Micaiah said, if you return at all in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he added, hear it, you people, all of you. So that was kind of his disclaimer that if if the king comes back, then it's proof that I was not speaking of the Lord. The other people were right. But. He had to have some serious confidence in what he was hearing from the Lord to make a comment like that, saying that he uh, he's not coming back. 
Um, <laughs> so in this, Micaiah stayed faithful to the Lord even through the persecution, through being thrown in jail. And the summary of how this story ends, they go to battle. Um, Jehoshaphat is wearing Ahab, his garments and all his armor and everything. And Ahab disguises himself as a regular Joe out in the battlefield. And a soldier of the enemy randomly grabs his bow and just throws it up and shoots a pot shot into the air. And it hits Ahab in between his armor. And with just a random shot, wasn't even trying to hit him. But the Lord set it up. The Lord told him, don't go. He disobeyed and he died about sundown is what it said. So don't bring your own agenda when you're expecting to hear from the Lord. Listen to what he's going to say is the moral of this story. It says, he knows what's in your heart and what is best for you. So believe that he will say what you need to hear. When he does say something that you or your flesh doesn't like, judge it. Say, does it bear witness with my spirit? Say, is there conviction or is there condemnation? If there's conviction, then it agrees with your spirit, but not with your flesh. If there's condemnation, then eh, not good. Is there peace in your spirit about the thing? So if you hear something and you decide that it is from God, lose your pride, humble yourself, and accept what the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, is saying to you. So after all, I think he is really looking out for what's in your best interest. At least we hope so. Or else it's going to be tough. But uh, no, he... Because I know when we've had different prophets come in here, I can think back and like that'd be awesome if they said something about this or something about this like confirm this for me or say whatever but you can't what if that's not what God wants to say to you and if you are looking for that you might be holding back what is supposed to be said if that's all you're willing to hear I mean that's only only what there is so let the Lord say what the Lord wants to say. So that's the end of that point. And that is the end of the teaching. And one day Chris will learn how to whistle. Yeah, no, yeah, you don't get a prophecy your way. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, but no. Um, so we have two songs we're going to play, and then when the instrumentals come back on, if anybody would like to come up and see what the Lord has to say, we can do it. <laughs>